Cannabis Business Minds, we train and mentor professionals, entrepreneurs, and aspiring entrepreneurs on how to confidently find their place in the legal cannabis and hemp industries. Come on and join us at CannabisBusinessMinds.com. Hello, Cannabis Business Minds, and we are back. And on this episode, you are about to hear one of three interviews. It was a very long interview with a fantastic attorney where we dive deep into the cannabis market in New York, and we really uncover the process to go from unregulated to regulated. There are amazing bits of information about just business strategy, about compliance, about accounting, if you're even operating or if you're advising those businesses that do. So sit back, relax, and listen to this episode of Cannabis Business Minds. What got you into, was it law first or accounting first? So like, what's your story? It was really tax. It was tax. It was tax. Because, of course, one of the most intricate pieces to figure out in a cannabis business is the tax piece. Yeah. And it's true. And then, so you think of that high level. So a lot of, you'll go to cannabis conferences and people are all abuzz about 280E, 280E, 280E. But the practical, on the practical level, 280E doesn't really become very real to to a business owner until the end of that first business cycle. And that's really at the end of their first year when they've been in business, because if they're in startup mode for a year, two years, even three years, as can happen in cannabis while we're Mm -hmm. waiting for regulations or waiting for the license to come through, that 280E piece is kind of a a weird thing that the lawyers and the accountants talk about, but to a business owner, what becomes very real, very fast, especially a small business owner, mm-hmm. is um, the need for, first of all, registering for the various requ- government-required cannabis tax sites. In mm-hmm. New York, it happens that that fee is $600, which okay. isn't a lot of money to a corporation, but to a social equity applicant could be you know, yet another thing that they have to fundraise for or, yes. or, or budget for. Then you put into that my um, my niche practice, mm-hmm. much to my surprise, because certainly I never thought this would happen. My niche practice is the unlicensed smoke shop. And so the pain point there is, as I get them into compliance with taxes, that includes payroll tax, you know, mm-hmm. having the workman's comp insurance mm-hmm. as well as sales tax. Mm-hmm. And it becomes bare. You know, I had a, a business owner call me three days ago, I believe, Thursday or Friday, and say, we've got to stop this payroll thing. I, it feels like every every few days there's money going out of my account for tax. It's tax. It's tax every few days. What is yeah. what is going on? Yeah. I, Welcome to a regulated environment. And you told me that you want it to be fully compliant. And here it is there. It it costs you money to have employees. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, and, and it's interesting because I'm like, oh gosh, we, I was like, we, we just covered so much in such a shortest amount. I'm like, we have to go back to so many things. So I'm like, New okay, York. Yeah, no, is, I have to talk to you. Your first question about I could, but it's so, well, and I think what's interesting for somebody that's listening to this is that tax is a very small word with so many complexities that can go and stem into many different things. And I completely agree with you on 280E. It is a, it's for a lot of 
businesses at first, you just hear about it. You don't know what it is. When you know what it is, you're like, oh my God, it's a lot. But then if you add on employees, it's a lot of the payroll taxes. And if you're trying to get around and skirt around, oh, I'm going to put people on a 1099, that's not a smart move because the IRS has, has, um, has their own kind of set of rules to do that. And then you're also in New York, which by, in my mind, I did an analysis on the taxes. Like, it is the one of the worst states for a legal cannabis business selling THC to operate in because it's taxed on the milligram. And so I'm mm-hmm. like, where, where do we go here? I think, well, it's interesting. So like you decided to like make your practice about this, but for a lot of business owners, it is so stressful to hear about this. And so if someone's just listening, they are a business owner taking the step back. How do you take somebody through to get compliant? Because it's not something that happens overnight, or is it something that can happen overnight to get tax compliant? So are you talking about a a business that already has a provisional license or a conditional license? Or are you talking about somebody who calls me who says, hey, I have this smoke shop. Am I going to be good? Let's talk about the latter first, and then we'll talk about the first one after that. Which that call is something that I'm getting every day now. Okay. Um, And first of all, honestly, they believe that they're licensed. They truly, in their heart of hearts, think it's legal now, isn't it? Like, can't you just get me? And then then you back up and you say, well, no, there is a license. Well, can you get me a license? Well, actually, in New York right now, there is not an open license application. It doesn't exist. No amount of money. I've had people offer to give me. He said, you know, I'll give you a million dollars. Can you get me a license? I cannot get that for you. I will take your million dollars, which I didn't do, but, (laughs) (laughs) but so, so, um, there is the perception that, that it's legal now because it's legal to smoke, Mm -hmm. but it's not legal to buy or it's not legal to sell. And so that's where the gray market popped up because there is this loophole in the New York law that currently the New York law as it currently stands, which says that a sale is a transaction which can, which involves cash for cannabis. Oh, okay. Which is very important in probably in a lot of things that could set the stage for businesses. Like, so a sale is illegal is an exchange for cash to cannabis. So then what that opened the door to, and this is not the first state that has grappled with this, Washington, D.C. grappled with this. California, various municipalities have grappled with this, where very smart people, very enterprising entrepreneurs realized, oh, well, I could sell you something else, but gift you cannabis. Oh, yeah. I remember this happened in Oregon in like 2016. Okay. I remember this. It's not a new problem. No. And so my first question is, as long as that bill was was batted around in the New York legislature, why didn't they see that? Did they do their homework at all? Or was it intentional that they wanted this, pardon the pun, buzz around <laughs> cannabis to happen right away? Mm. One doesn't know, but now there's a real problem in that in many blocks, there are as many as four smoke shops plus a truck. That's all, you know, wrapped in logos and pot signs and come and get your pre-rolls and come and get your gummies. And so it's going to be a real problem to try to rein in the gray market. 
today marks, let me get my day count right. I think today marks day 663 since MRTA was signed into law by then Governor Andrew Cuomo. We have exactly one licensed shop in the entire state of New York. We have another one that will do a soft open tomorrow. Um, and we have no open application. So you have, so what's the no open application? Like there's not even an idea of when, well, what or we I can't even have, register to try to get a license open application. Like what does that mean specifically? What that means is we're in an open comment period. The, the Office of Cannabis, Cannabis Management has released a set of proposed regulations, 284 pages mm-hmm. that have some uh, micromanagement and then on the next page, some like huge holes. And and you're thinking, well, did they just go to sleep? Like, <laughs> 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 so, so in other words, after we approve the proposed regs, I believe that we will have to have another set of proposed regs to fill in what the proposed regs didn't do. Um, the way that the, the OCM could get around that, of course, is get the comments and then do another amendment of the proposed regs and open another comment period. But every time you do that, you're delaying by at least 90 to 120 days, right? Yeah. So with that, I, I forget the exact date. It's sometime very soon that the comment period will close. And then the Office of Cannabis Management can either accept the proposed regs and like when they did with the the other round, which is the conditional adult use retail dispensary round, which was restricted to those persons who had been previously charged with a cannabis crime or Mm -hmm. whose family members had been. Plus, they had to have at least two years of success as a business owner, at least 10% ownership. So, you know, you take the the pool of people who had been charged and whittle it down right away because of that business requirement. That period closed September 26th. Um, and the, there are 36 provisional, actually 35 now that we've opened up this one dispensary. Um, that's it in all of New York. So there's just basically, but okay. So there's 35 provisional. Mm-hmm. If you could, I mean, if you're getting calls and now I, I was like, I, I was a little uncertain about the smoke shops. So these smoke shops essentially believe that they are operating as retail dispensaries. Well, yes, they do. Okay. So some are operating as gifting, some are operating as membership. Others saw that this activity was happening and said, I'm going to sell weed and Mm. dive into how am I going to do this? So there are cannabis for cash transactions, Mm. but they they came a few months after the membership and gifting models were rolling out. Wow. And then the state, have they even said anything about like, hey, illegal shop, illegal shops, uh, this is what we, you, you can't do this. Or are they giving, I guess, any opportunity for these illegal shops to come become quote unquote compliant and go through that process? So where we are right now is for about, and I, I need to really zero in on the calendar. I believe it was 14 to 16 months before the state did anything in terms of enforcement. And the enforcement Mm. was a cease and desist letter that was sent to some 78 shops Mm. in the entire state of New York. Remember, there are 19 million people in the state of New York. So 78 letters went out in February of 2022. Um, And honestly, a lot of recipients thought, what is this? Like the letter looked very flimsy, very fake. 
um, there were mistakes. There was a second round that went out some six months later, again, a cease and desist letter. And um, there were letters sent to people who don't have a smoke shop, don't sell anything. <laughs> oh, wow. How awful would that be to get that letter? I mean, the panic somebody <laughs> must have. And then wow. there, there were letters that went to people who uh, have shops, but they don't sell any form of cannabis. So how did they get those? How did they even determine? Come up with the, li- the list of completeness. Yes. Yeah. You know, 78, I think there were, they now say there were a couple of hundred that were sent out in all. First of all, what is the impact of a cease and desist letter? That What is, yeah. Yeah, that, that's not conviction of any kind of crime. It doesn't do anything to you. It's a basic stop what you're doing because we're going to come after you. Mm. Um, in the meantime, the communities have really kind of pushed back and they put the pressure uh, on the elected officials to stop these shops because really, had we had a had we had some type of framework in place, we could have modeled on the state liquor authority laws, which yeah. dictate how far from a school, how far from a church, how far from a park. So there are some violations with regard to that. There are also a lot of violations with regard to packaging because you're seeing all of the gummies and yeah. and the pre-rolls that are packaged as if they're candy. Um, but when you, you know, if you take into account, like I say, in many blocks, there are as many as four shops. How are, in, how a blo- in a block? In a single block. Wow. Yeah. That's overwhelming. And what's interesting, what about from a public awareness perspective? Like, obviously, when you're in cannabis, you're in this cannabis bubble. But what type of news coverage or media education is the general population getting about this kind of stuff. Cause it reminds me of Los Angeles. That's when, that's where I was living when it was legalized in LA. Like we would go to these concerts at the pier and these hipsters would come and they would be dressed up and they would have, you know, these really beautiful displays of cannabis and selling it and people back. Like, oh, okay. That's great. It's legal. Not recognizing. Oh no, they're you, you, they should be checking your ID. You want to make sure that this has been lab tested, like all of these things that are the benefits of regulation. So there's just like no awareness from the public perspective. And there still seems to be a very, in California, very limited amount. But what about in New York? Is there any type of awareness? So again, it's my belief that the state has participated or has caused this environment in which confusion about what is legal and what is not. And that's because MRTA was signed into law March 31st, 2021. That was when Governor Andrew Cuomo was still governor. It was his waning days. Cuomo left in August. On September 1st, Hochul took over, Governor uh, Kathy Hochul. One of the first things she did was create the Office of Cannabis Management. One of the first things they did was create a, a public service ad campaign that they called Cannabis Conversations. So there were these subway signs and signs in, at, at the bus stops and television ads that would run that would say, here's how you store your cannabis. Here's how you smoke your cannabis so you're far away from a door. Be sure not to puff smoke into someone's face. Be wise with your cannabis. Only people 21 and over can legally smoke cannabis. But what they didn't say was, we don't have any shops where you can buy cannabis. So again, that raised the perception 
that can it's legal now, isn't it? I saw yep. a subway ad just this morning, and last night when I was watching television, there was another ad. So surely it's legal. So what does a consumer do? A consumer then goes into a shop yep. that says tobacco or CBD and says, hey, I hear cannabis is, is legal. Do you have any? And so what does a wise entrepreneur do but say, gee, my customers are asking for this. What do the distributors do? But the distributors come into the shops and say, hey, dude, I've got this stuff. And you can make a ton of money. Yeah. And, so, and even if the shop owner says, well, wait a second, do I have a license for that? Of course, didn't you see the ad? It's legal now. Yeah, wow. <laughs> There's so, so what's the solution? Because I know you're a solutions-oriented person, but like, yeah, this is like a pretty big issue. That's not, like we said at the very beginning, not a new issue. So what do we, like, what... What's to happen to even, I always think it all is about education, ending federal, you know, uh, uh, prohibition, making a market really actually thrive. It's all about education, but what is the solution for a good educational campaign? Well, <clears throat> right now, you know, like last week I participated in a hearing before the New York City Council okay. uh, regarding enforcement. They had the mm -hmm. sheriff's office, the NYPD, the health department present this two-hour uh, interaction with the city council members. They want to come in with enforcement teams. I had one shop that got raided, um, 1,500 square feet, nine officers with bull bulletproof vests. She sells bath bombs, right? Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so to me, that is not a solution. To me, yeah. what is a, enforcement is not a solution. Let's remember the government lost the war on drugs. Exactly. The reason that Colorado began to uh, legalize and began to, to, you know, they were the first to say, there's another way. We can capture the sales tax revenue and we can no longer arrest because we're just, we're playing whack-a-mole. And to me, if we go the enforcement route, we will be playing whack-a-mole well into the next decade because we won't be able to to stamp out all of these shops you can literally close down a shop in the morning at 11 and by 3 p.m the shop is reopened they wow. may reopen in a different location but they are reopened and they get the community support because everybody comes out and says dude i hear you got raided let me buy some stuff i really i got you man i got you they yeah. want to support the shops. so to answer your question to me the solution is much like what D.C. did, and I believe San Francisco did way back in 2017, maybe, um, which is to offer a transitional license. So off, designate a limited time period for the sake of this conversation. Let's call it 90 days. Mm -hmm. So unlicensed smoke shop owner, you have 90 days to log into a state system, mm -hmm. get your certificate of authority to collect sales tax. Show that you have your workman's comp insurance. Show that you have set up your books to collect payroll tax and to just, you know, pay your payroll tax. Um, also, because one of the main concerns is safety, show that you have some mechanism in place for safety. Now, if everybody tried to get their product tested right now in New York, there are only three labs that are mm -hmm. open. Mm -hmm. There's no way that they could keep up with that volume. So we've got to find some chain of custody for that product so that if somebody gets sick, we can at least go back to the distributor and say, where did this come from? Mm -hmm. 
how did this get into the, the commerce stream? The other thing we need to do is have a have the business owner show a standard operating procedure for checking IDs. That's another sticking point, is that when the shops are in proximity to schools, mm. kids are getting out of school, apparently parents will have their children walking around with $60 in their pockets, and the children with $60 in their pockets go and spend that money on gummies. I'm a parent. I never gave my child. I never got 60 bucks. So so there's another piece there, but okay. The safety issue. Let's verify IDs. Once a business owner can verify that, let's give them, I don't know what we're going to call it, a provisional conditional license. Okay. And so that will give them the assurance that they're on a path towards licensure. They are, and many of them want to be, many of them, they call and they say, can you get me a license? So let's get them some kind of license. Then let's, because another sticking point is the location and the fact that the community boards or the municipalities outside of the city, the municipalities were not consulted as to location. So then let's have them go in front, just like with state liquor authority licenses, Mm -hmm. let's have them make an appearance before those community boards and you know, present themselves as legit business owners. It is possible that we will find violations and that the community boards will say, you know what, we we got out our measuring tape and Mm -hmm. you are too close to that school. Mm -hmm. So then give them another 120 days to find another location, present themselves. If they fail, then they're out of business. They need to to address that. But for those that do pass the scrutiny, um, let's, let's go on and give them a conditional license. If you want to ding them, if you want to punish them, because a lot of the pushback is, wait a second, you jumped the line. We had this license process going. Mm-hmm. Everybody else waited, but you didn't. Mm-hmm. Well, let's do this. We had this $200 million social equity fund mm-hmm. that was promised to the social equity applicants. The money is a mystery. Nobody knows where it is. Was it ever generated I, we don't think it was ever generated, but it, it, it's gone. Poof, mm-hmm. no, not available. Mm-hmm. So why don't we give an additional tax to people who have to come in under this provisional conditional process? Maybe give them an additional 2% tax until that fund, fund is replenished. And yeah. that will support the industry, right? Because what we all want is mm-hmm. a viable licensed industry, a viable regulated industry. So tax them additionally. Also right now in New York, under the proposed regs, a, a business can get three different licenses. Now, it, 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 you have to watch what side of the supply chain you're on. But let's say a, a retail dispensary could get a smoke lounge, a um, a processor license, I think. And mm-hmm. no, excuse me, not a processor. They could okay. get delivery retail and uh, eventually when it's open, the smoke lounge license. So, so everything kind of touch, almost like touching the end consumer. Right, the consumer mm-hmm. facing. So if you want to punish them, 2% additional tax, plus let's, for the first year, say you can only have one license. And that way it will give the 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 people who waited, it will give them that edge into the market. Then... After a year, oh, the other piece that I want to show uh, that I mm-hmm. want them to be able to show to get this to get to this point is that they are current on their personal and business taxes. Oh yes, people who have been living below the radar may have gone ten years, fifteen years without filing anything. 
So let's make sure that they are compliant with their personal and business taxes. Then after a year of continued compliance with sales tax, payroll tax, um, standard operating procedures, no major incidents with, with safety, um, they've, they've presented themselves to the community boards. They're compliant with their personal and business taxes. Then they get a regular license. All right. I hope you all enjoy this. And on the next episode, we are going to dive very deep into the tax structure in New York, the best scenario in New York in the next 12 months. And also what I always love is to talk about solutions. So Paula's going to give us her proposed license solutions of what she believes is the best way that New York can really get their stuff together. So make sure that you tune on back next week for our next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this week's show. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this, leave us a five-star review. Make sure that you share this episode on your social media and tag us in the Instagram stories. You can find us wherever you go on social media. Just look up Cannabis Business Minds. Have an idea for the show or something that you want to talk about? Shoot us an email at podcast at cannabisbusinessminds.com.